Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. And if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Larry, I'm getting a little bit of feedback, especially as I step toward this pulpit. So if you could turn that down a little bit, that would be awesome. 1 Peter chapter 2. Today I am going to preach a message entitled, Things Every Believer Needs to Know. And if we have that slide, that's good. Things every new believer needs to know. So I'm going to preach, and then when I conclude, we're going to go into our water baptism time. I say new believer, but every seasoned believer needs to be reminded of these things as well. First Peter chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. amen. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that, so that by it you may grow up. Everybody say grow up, grow up. in your what? Salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So when you've tasted the Lord and you have been saved, there is an expectancy from God for you to grow up. Everybody say it again, grow up. Verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up. And I'm reading verse 5 just because of those words right there. You are being built into a spiritual house. Last weekend, I talked about that, built up. Everybody say built up. To be, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ. I want you to highlight newborn babies, as it says in the NIV, are brand new babies. It depends on what translation you're reading in, but if you brought a highlighter, and I hope you did, when we come to church, we bring a Bible, we bring a highlighter, and we bring something to take notes. So you should highlight newborn babies. So I want to give you these things every believer needs to know, and there are seven of them. So here we go. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, and I'll tell you why at the end of this service, okay? So number one, every new believer. So here's all the things that if you're a new believer you need, or if you're a seasoned believer, you need to be reminded of. Number one, every new believer needs loving parents. Every new believer needs loving parents. You need a spiritual mom and a spiritual dad. I find this to be very challenging in today's world because nowadays most people have never experienced both mother and father physically in the home. And that's okay. That's part of the generation and culture that, that we live in now. But for me as a pastor, that is very, very challenging because I'm in charge of your spiritual growth, and it's hard for me to get this concept across to believers 
Because in the natural, they've never experienced a mother and father. They have no concept of what that looks like in a home properly working and functioning together. But in the spirit realm, just like in the physical realm, we need parents. We need both mom and dad. We need that nurturing mom. We need the paternal instinct of a father. Both play a critical part in a child's development and growth. The same thing happens spiritually. The other thing that is challenging in my case is that I'm ministering to mostly adults who don't think they need spiritual parents because I'm an adult. Why do I need a parent? I'm an adult. So when we say parents, we're not talking about physically parenting you. We're talking about spiritually parenting you. Does that make sense? Well, what does that look like? When you genuinely get saved and you give your life to Jesus, God becomes your heavenly father and Jesus becomes your elder brother and Satan is no relation at all. Okay? But physically, you need spiritual parents here on this earth. Now, for some of us, our actual mother and father biologically also become our spiritual mothers and fathers to raise us in the faith. I think that's the, the right way and, and the proper way that should happen, but it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have my biological parents to be my spiritual parents as well. And if you have that, it is awesome, okay? And if you don't have that, um, that's okay. Don't feel condemned by that in any way. But I'm saying this to all of my young parents in the room with small children. You not only want to raise your kids and be their physical parents, but you want to be their spiritual parents as well. So you want to pray with them. You want to read the Bible with them. You want to come to church with them. You should desire for them to sit in church with you sometimes. Okay? You should teach them in the ways of God. Raise them in the admonition of Christ. Can I hear an amen? So you, if you, the earlier you start this, the better. Okay? The earlier the age, even as an infant... You should begin that process, okay? Now, here's the thing. When they become teenagers, there's something that you may have never heard of. It's called hormones. <laughs> and when them little suckers kick in, when them hormones kick in, they start doing some crazy things, okay? So there may be a period of time where your kids don't listen to you, okay? And just be patient. About 20 to 30, they're going to check back in. Okay, uh, and about forty, you know, when they're in their early or late teens and early twenties, they think you're the stupidest person ever. But by the time you get in your forties, they think you're all geniuses. Okay, so anyway, there is a process to this, and um, but I do think that the ideal way is for the mom and dad to be both physically parents and also the spiritual parents. Both parents are devout Christians, they're God-fearing, they're loving, they're nurturing, but again, in today's world, that is the exception and not the rule. That is a minority of people who have that at, available to them. If you will pay attention and you will pray, God will send you spiritual parents. Now, let me say that again. If you will pay attention and you will pray, God will send you spiritual parents. I will also add to that. If you have a pastor, whether it's me or you attend another church and you're visiting here, I would say to you, go to your pastors and talk with them about your desire to have spiritual parents, okay? 
they know people, they know things about people, and they can point you in the right direction and help you find that relationship, okay? In some cases, not all, and I'll talk more about this in a moment, uh, your spiritual mom and dad can be your pastors, okay? Uh, but I'll explain more about that in a moment. Every successful Christian has four habits. I want you to write these down. Every successful Christian has four habits. Number one, they read the Bible every day. Number two, they pray every day. Number three, they find and commit themselves to a Bible-believing church with godly pastors. And number four, they lead people to Jesus. So number one, read the Bible every day, pray every day. Number two, Number three, they find and commit themselves to a Bible, listen to my words, a Bible-believing church with a godly pastor. Does that make sense? And number four, they lead people to Jesus. I'll tell you something that's on my heart. Around the first of the year, somewhere probably early January, I'm probably going to preach a message, two messages in fact. I'm going to preach one called Reasons Why You Should Leave a Church. Reasons why you should leave a church. And then I'm going to preach a message why you should stay at a church. Okay, or what a good church looks like. So we'll talk about that. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in as we talk about a Bible-believing church with godly pastors. When you find that church and that pastor, those godly pastors, uh, a lot of times those godly pastors and their spouses will either directly or indirectly parent you in your faith. Now, here's where I wanted to go with this. In a church this size, that is very hard, okay? And that's why I use the word directly or indirectly, because in some form or fashion, I'm parenting you at this pulpit, okay? And I do my best counseling when I'm standing right here. The best counseling I do is from this pulpit. Now, we do other counseling and privately in offices and so forth, but the best counseling that we can do for you is teach you and preach you the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Preach to you the Word of God. Um, so in a church this size, uh, it is hard to do that, but what I will say is if you will come to us and your desire is to have spiritual parents, uh, we can help you and facilitate helping you find good people, good parents, and we are blessed here at One Community to have some amazing people in this church. Can I get a hand clap? Come on, can we get a hand clap? So we've got a lot to choose from, some good people. Well, what am I looking for? Well, you're looking for people that have similar likes, interest, uh, relatability, things that you can connect with them on. Those are all good things. The Apostle Paul, who we all deem one of the major players of the Bible, uh, he had two spiritual sons. He had Titus and Timothy. Paul calls spiritual parents elders, overseers. Uh, they're people of integrity. They have uh, the, the integrity in the natural, and they also have spiritual integrity. Uh, they're not dishonest, and they are devout in their faith. How do I know they're spiritual parents? They're godly people. They are godly, God-fearing people, and it reflects in everything they do, not just on Sunday morning. Okay? Here's another thing. They don't run off when things are hard, and they have a track record of stickability. They don't run off when things are hard, and they have a track record of stickability. Uh, they're not church hoppers. 
Uh, they have a, if you were to give, if, if there was such a thing as a church resume, if they gave you their resume, they would have a, lo- a lot of longevity at one place. Amen. Now, that, that don't mean every time, and there's some exceptions to that rule, and things happen in churches, and people leave and die, and you name it, and people have to go to other churches. But you should see somewhere in their life where they had longevity and they're faithful people. Can I hear an Amen. Okay? They operate, operate well and conduct themselves well under pressure. Uh, they don't react to things. They respond to things. They don't overreact. They respond. Does that make, make sense? Uh, I would also add to that, I think they shouldn't be high drama people. Okay? Um, I think you want a very healthy person parenting you. Can I hear an amen? Uh, They're people of prayer and and of the Bible. And then I would add one more to that, and you're going to probably go, well, what does that have to do with anything? I think it has a lot to do with everything. And uh, here's the other thing I would add to spiritual parents and what you're looking for in a resume. They have financial integrity. Financial integrity. That does not mean they're rich or wealthy. I would say not at all. I think it's just they're good people. They have a record of paying their bills. And um, they can teach you. Because you wouldn't want parents that don't know how to manage money. Amen. And you would want to learn things from them in that way. And uh, with that, you're going to get good tithing people who give and have that record of being givers. Can I hear an amen? If they don't have these traits, then they are disqualified from being your spiritual parents. Okay? I would also say, and I'm fixing to move to point two. Point one is the longest point, so everybody chill out, okay? But I will say to that is that, um, Lord, help me remember what I was about to say. Here it is. Um, You have physical age and you have spiritual age. Does that make, make sense? So you wouldn't want a 12-year-old being a parent, okay? And just because we're all adults, we're all in different places in our spiritual growth, okay? Now, even though we may be 50, we may only be five in spiritual years. So you wouldn't want that person to be your parent. I mean, you don't want a five-year-old parenting you. Does that make sense, okay? And I've actually watched this happen. I've seen this happen. Uh, where people, because they're young, will deem an older person a spiritual mom or dad. And the problem with that is you have been a Christian and had more longevity than the person you just deemed entitled your spiritual parent. So that spiritual mom or dad you just deemed as your spiritual mom and dad, they've only been saved five years. Do you see what I'm saying? So you want to be very careful and selective and I would also say that, that you would want them, even in physical age, to have some age to them. So, uh, Pastor Jay, do you have this? Yes. I have my mom sitting right here. She's one of our elders here at the church. But I also have other people. Uh, once a month, I have conversations with two people in my life. One of them I will have tomorrow afternoon. Um, and you've met him, Mike Coleman. He's in his 70s. And so I glean from him, I talk with him, and he helps father me, and he parents me, and I can tell him things. He's a trusted voice in my life. I can trust him with anything I tell him. I know that it stays with him, and that's a big deal. 
Amen? Here's point number two. So number one, every new believer needs what? Spiritual parents. Number two, every new believer needs a safe environment. Every new believer needs a safe environment, a shelter from the weather and changing seasons of time and time. Write this down. God has established the church as your safe environment. God has established the church as your safe environment to protect and watch over you in the storms and seasons of your spiritual life. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. So the point is, Jesus protects his church because it is the safest environment for every season and every son and daughter of God. Amen. And I may say more about this in a moment, but for all the church haters on social media, you need to listen to this message. Amen. Because we need the church. God said, I will build my church. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. I have learned when somebody falls out of church, it is not long before they fall out of faith. Watch. I'd say most of the time, that's the case. Visualize a fire on a cold night. You take a branch out of the fire, and guess what happens? It goes out, but you put it back in the fire, and it ignites again. The church is that fire. The church is that fire. Many people have a bad experience in church, and I get it. I've had some bad experiences myself. But there is no such thing as a perfect church. There is no such thing as a perfect pastor. There is no such thing as a perfect pastor's wife. There is no such thing for sure as pastor's kids, because I was one of them. (laughs) And let me take that a step further. There is no such thing as a perfect congregation. Every church, every church, including this church, as good as it is, every church has problems. But many of you are being tricked, and maybe you're watching by internet, and I hope you're listening online today. Many of you are being tricked and deceived by the enemy of your faith to have bitterness in your heart against God's church. Make up your mind. Please hear me. Please hear me. Online, in this room, please hear me. Make up your mind that you are not going to have thin skin. Make up your mind you are not going to have thin skin. Make up your mind that you're not going to be easily offended because there will be all kinds of opportunities to be offended in the church. All kinds, including this one. Amen. Make up your mind if the pastor preaches on something that steps on your toes instead of getting mad and stomping off and talking about him, humble yourself and say, God, how can this message make me a better Christian? Amen. But sadly, people get offended, and not just with the pastor or the message. They get offended by somebody. Somebody tells them something. They didn't like it or whatever. I mean, there's, the list is endless. But they get offended, and here's what happens to offended people. Offended people produce other people after their kind. So if they're offended, it's amazing. Birds of a feather flock together. And they produce other people just like themselves. And most of the time, they're church haters because they, they've been hurt in church and they spread that like wildfire. And they lump every church in that category. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
People get upset over things that in eternity it will not matter one hill of beans. Go to church because you love God. Go to church because He established it. Go to church because He's coming back for the church as the bride of Christ. Go to church because of honor and quit being a constant critic that finds fault in every service you go to and every message and every pastor, every staff member that you see. Can I hear an amen? Come on, church, give God a hand clap. This is where you have or need true spiritual parents. This is why you need true spiritual parents, because they will correct you. They will help you. If they're true spiritual parents, they will not be critical of people or towards the church or leadership. They will be honoring and God-fearing and loving towards the church if they're true spiritual parents. Amen. Now, if you come back in January and you hear me preach the message on reasons why to leave the church, there are reasons to leave church. And there's abuse in leadership and you name it. And there's all kinds of reasons that you should leave a church. And it happens every day. It happens in church all the time. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. And your spiritual parents will help you through the, and navigate those situations. Does that make sense? It's impossible to have growing faith without interaction of a church family. It is impossible to have a growing faith without a good church family. Preaching and teaching, anointed preaching and teaching, let's add that, anointed preaching and teaching and worship and discipleship methods for your growth. Well, pastor, there's hypocrites in church. Well, there's hypocrites in Walmart, but you go there. Amen. Why do you, why do you go to Walmart? You know there's hypocrites there. Why do you go there? Because you got to eat. You need supplies and you need to eat. Guess what happens when you come to church? You're eating. You're spiritually eating. You're spiritually eating. And your body craves it. Your spirit craves it. That's a better way to say it. Your body don't, but your spirit does. Your spirit desires spiritual food. Okay? And you need to be supplied with things. And that's what the church does. If you hold the church to a message uh, or measure of perfection, the Bible says the measure you judge others will be measured back to you. I don't go to church because of a perfect pastor, perfect message, perfect worship, perfect staff, perfect people. I go to church because the Bible says do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as some are in the habit of doing. And even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So in the last days, many, and that is, that's, that's us, we're in the last days, come tonight, I'll tell you all about it. We are in the last days, and many have stopped attending church altogether, and it is happening in droves. Number three, every new believer, here's number three, write it down, every new believer needs schedule feedings. Every new believer needs schedule feedings. For those of you who don't know, Alicia and I have a new grandbaby. He will be a year old next month, and we're very proud of him. But our new grandbaby has to have scheduled feedings, and he eats often, I've, I have learned. <laughs> His mom is nursing him, and it's like, good Lord, child, he just eats all the time. 
New and seasoned believers need scheduled times to eat spiritual food. Okay? Do you think my grandbaby could live on just Sunday morning feedings only? No. He'd be going, I mean, he, I wouldn't want to live with him. <laughs> he'd be screaming and throwing a fit if he just ate on Sunday morning. His name is Harlan. Harlan, you know, we can't. Son, you know, baby boy, we're not going to be able to feed you this week. It's deer season. And so just hold on, just hold on. You're going to get to eat, but just not this week. And um, after that, you know, it's ball season. And then we've got vacation season and lake season and all these other seasons. And you're, you're just going to have to do without on those weeks. Let me ask you, what do you think Harlan's going to do? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If they don't feed him, it will stunt his growth. Or he'll die. And the same thing happens to believers. If they're not fed properly, if you are, if same way with me, we will be stunted in growth. We will not grow. And I don't know, I've been doing this a long time. I've been saved 40 years. I've been a pastor for 22 years. I have seen people get saved and they never move past that moment. They never grow past that one moment. We have to grow and we have to have spiritual food. Can I hear a big amen? amen. The Bible says you need, you need to crave the milk of the word, but then there's, there's a time you get off the milk and you get on the meat and you start growing. It's daily, multiple times a day, Bible reading, prayer, being faithful to church, these are called the basics that every new believer needs. Here's the fourth one. Every new believer needs education. Every new believer needs education. Just like in the physical, your kids go to school. They're required to go to school. Why? They have to have an education. You need to be taught for your development as a believer. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the only way you can grow in faith is hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? Making time to be taught and study time on your own. Always start with the ABCs of the gospel. And we'll help you with that next week a little bit. If you can't do basic math, you have no business trying to do calculus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not, be needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why when you, and, and listen, I tell people, I tell, I tell people this probably more than I tell anybody, this church may not be the church for you. It, it may not be, and that's okay. Like, I don't get offended by that. It doesn't bother me uh, that you didn't like it. I don't take it personal. Every church is not for every person. But there is a church for you. Don't make that excuse, well, I just can't find one. There's one. There's some good ones in this county. But you find you a church. And if that pastor is worth his salt, when he is standing there, there will be years of experience. So when I'm standing here, you're getting 40 years of studying the Bible every time I stand here. 40 years of studying the Bible, being taught having tremendous, tremendous pastors. And to add to that, spiritual parents. Tremendous people in my life. And I'm not saying that to brag. 
But I'm saying I'm standing here with a lot of experience teaching you biblical things that will help you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number five, every new believer needs frequent diaper changes. Every new believer needs frequent diaper changes. How many of you know babies make messes because they're babies? They don't know any better. Is that right? Now, is that a license to sin? Absolutely not. Okay, we're not giving you a license to sin. But the truth is, if you're a new believer, you're going to mess up and you're going to make messes. That's why you need good pastors and parents and all of those things to help you in the messes. If you've been saved for 50 years, you should not be making messes anymore. Now, you still make messes, you just do it in private. So don't think you're all of that. Y'all are too quiet. I'm fixing to come get in y'all's business on this one. So new believers, here's the thing, Christians, listen to me. New believers don't know. They don't have any context. And I will tell you, in today's culture, this is not the Sunday school generation that many of us were raised in. This is just not it. Get that out of your mind. Okay? They have no concept or basis for Christianity. They've never been raised. Their parents were not raised that way. They didn't raise them that way. They don't know the Bible stories. I've had adults ask me, who is Moses? So this generation don't know. And here's what I want to say to you. That's okay. You don't know what you don't know. So never be ashamed of what you don't know. But don't just sit on what you don't know. Start asking questions. Get people to unpack it with you. Get people to help you read this book. Help Get people to help you learn how to read this book. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so new believers don't know. New believers make messes. And... This is just a funny story. When we were out on Chuck City Highway, when it was Good Samaritan still, I had a young man who just recently got saved. He was excited about living for the Lord. Everything, you know, new believers are just excited, man. It's just everything's high fives and it's wonderful because it's all new to them and they're loving it. And he was so excited. He came into the lobby one day and I used to stand in the lobby and shake hands. My wife and I and my mom would stand back there and as you left the church, you'd shake our hands, you know. And, and this guy come by me and he stuck out his hand and shook my hand, and he said, Pastor, he was so excited. He said, Pastor, that was an H-E-L-L of a message. <laughs> I didn't scold him. Why? He's a new believer. He don't know Christianese yet. <laughs> I overheard one time a guy, because we would stand in the lobby and there was two doors and they'd go out. And this guy come out, shook his hand, and real, you know, real fast, shook my hand. And him and this other guy, it was two guys, two young guys, walked out off this door. I'm standing here, so I'm shaking hands, but I could hear him as he's walking out the door. And he said, that SOB can preach. <laughs> I was like, that's a compliment. I'll take it. Why? They don't know any better. They're baby Christians. Baby Christians need frequent diaper changes. God has mercy. 
but God also has discipline. Okay, now here's what I want to say about discipline. The Bible says that if God didn't love you, he wouldn't discipline you. So love is when you, when you discipline. Not loving someone is when you don't discipline them. Same with parents. You don't love them if you don't tell them what the word no means. You don't love them if you let them throw temper tantrums. Because when they get to be adults, that's not going to be too funny. When they get to be 13 and they're bigger than you are, that's not going to be funny. Amen. You get to the point you don't want to make messes anymore. Why? It's uncomfortable. You have three enemies, the world, flesh, and those two things are big deals. The world and the flesh are going to come at you because this world is all about feeding this flesh. What I see, what I feel, what I taste, what I smell. I want everything I want it now. And your flesh craves all of this stuff out there. Substance abuse and all of these. It craves it because that's what it wants. That's why Paul said you've got to discipline your flesh and tell your flesh no. I do it to my flesh just for the heck of it sometimes. You're not eating that next piece of pie. Just because I want my flesh to know my spirit is in charge, not my flesh. Okay, third enemy you have is Satan and demonic powers of this world. But I want you to know something. The Bible says the one living on, in, on the inside of you, praise God, is greater than he that is on the outside. Amen. All right. I don't make excuses for sin in my life. I'm talking about me, and I do mess up, and I do sin, and I do fall short. But when I see sin in my life, I call it what it is and I repent, repent quickly. Your word, the Bible says, have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's called spiritual muscles. Spiritual muscles. And the more you do it, the stronger you get. How do you change a spiritual diaper? It's called repentance. Repenting of sin. More like Jesus and less like myself. Here's number six. Every new believer, write it down, every new believer needs bath time. Every new believer needs bath time. Everybody say bath time. What is bath time? It's, pure, it's, a, it's called a pure life. God said, be holy as I'm holy. Purity is free from sin, meaning striving for no sin. Everybody's like, well, we all sin and mess up every day. We don't have to. It's a choice. I don't have to sin just because, I mean, you know, we do doesn't mean I have to. I choose to sin, right? The key to pure living is pure thinking. The key to pure living is pure thinking. Before there is a wrong behavior, there is wrong thinking. Everything starts in the incubator of your brain. So before you sin, you thought about it before you did it. Amen. So the key to pure living is pure thinking. The Bible says your eyes are the windows of your soul. So it's what I see. It's what I hear. My dad used to call it the eye gate and the ear gate. And you open and close what you let come in here and what you let come in here. The TV shows you listen to, the music you listen to, the people you hang around, you make that choice. What you do on this device, you make that choice yourself. Is that right? Philippians 4, I fix my things on pure, lovely, all of those things, all of, all of the right things. If I focus on the right things, I get the right, thing out, the right things out. If I, get, I put trash in, I get trash out. 
God promotes and rewards pure living. Oh, I want blessings and favor, Pastor. I want blessings and favor. Then it comes through pure living. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. 21 says, keep yourself pure. I'm just hurrying. 22, run from anything that is impure. And then watch this, youthful lust. Why does it say youthful lust? Because that's when those hormones I was talking about start kicking in. Amen? And if you have good people around you, they will help you with your um, behavior and your self-control. Amen. Especially if you have accountability partners, they will help you with self-control. Bath time speaks of purity. Bad company, the Bible says, corrupts good character. Bad friends lead you to impurity. When you choose purity, God chooses promotion. Here's the last one, number seven. And I'm done. Every new believer or Christian, y'all think y'all are going to like this one, but you're not. (laughs) Every new Christian or believer and every seasoned believer needs rest. Okay? My grandbaby takes about three naps a day and it drives me crazy. Because they live up in North Arkansas, and we only get to see them once a month. And so when I go up there, I want to maximize my time with him. But most of the time I'm there, he's sleeping. Now, he's almost one, and he's going to go through that stage, and we all know that. But he sleeps a lot. And why does he sleep a lot? Because it's important for his development and his growth. Okay? This is good. Busyness creates worry and anxiety And let's take that further. It creates competition with other people. You will never make it to church and develop and grow if you're burning the candle at both ends. That's so good. I'm going to say amen. Amen, Pastor Jay. That was good stuff, man. If I was sitting where you would, I'd stand up and go, Woo! Amen. There you go. I don't know who that was, but thank you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. I like you. We're going to go to lunch today, I think. That's good. Burning the candle at both ends. If you're burning the candle at both ends, when you're here, you will be distracted. You will do this. You will do this. (gasps) Amen? When you get ready to take the ACT test, what does the teachers tell you? Get a good night's sleep. Get a good breakfast, protein. Why, Mary? You're a teacher. Why? Because you need to be alert and ready. When we come to church, we're about half together. And we wonder why. why? I didn't get a lot out of that message today. I wonder why. You're about half asleep. I'm always amused at how Christians, and, and, and a lot of this is young believers and seasoned believers. It, it, it amuses me. I, like, I sometimes just giggle. And um, that, you know, it, how do I say this, Lord? They're sick on Sunday morning, but mysteriously at noon, there's a miracle. <laughs> a miracle takes place, and they're on the deer stand by afternoon. And they're on the lake, and they're doing all these things. Why? They did not prioritize rest. 
They're tired. Yeah, they're tired. You are tired. You, sh- you know, you want to sleep in because you're tired. You're burning the candle at both ends. What you put into this is what you get out of it. And if you don't want to put in the work, you're not going to get a lot out of it. You're just not. Um, we should create those environments in our home with our kids. If we prioritize school and work, we should prioritize God's house. We should put them to bed at a certain time. We should go to bed at a certain time. And we should get up ready to go. Amen. Uh, my dad would prioritize that. I, I would, if those of you who know me know that I was big in the horse world and competition and all that. And my friends, the horse shows go on on the weekends all night long. Am I right, Miss Jan? Two, three in the morning, they're still going on. About nine o'clock, my dad was loading that horse in that trailer. And he was saying, let's go. It's time to go. We got to go home. We have church in the morning. There were a few times, I would say two or three times, my dad let me stay with friends all night at a horse show. I got home one one morning at 6 a.m. And at 6.30, he was dragging me out of the bed by my feet. And he says, church day. I was like, praise God. (laughs) And he said, I told you. Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was my dad's motto. We have to prioritize rest. The other thing I would say to that is, and and I know in today's world, it's crazy, and we live in a a predominantly industry-driven world where there's shift work and all of that. If you work shift work, I'm going to say you got to work harder at this than the average person that don't work shift work. Because if you're not, if you don't, you will fool around and it's been a month since you've been in church. I mean, just like that, it's a month and you haven't even stepped in the doors of a church. So you got to really prioritize that. I think you ought to also ought to let your boss know, I like to go to church. My family attends church. I'm a Christian. I'll, I will work my tail off for you. I will be the first one here and the last one to leave. And you're, you're going to want to hire Christians. But sir, ma'am, I want to be in church, and I prioritize that. And if that can't happen, if you will pray, God will give you a job that will allow you to be in church. He, I've seen him do it. I mean, people that are, that are sincere about it, it will happen for them. Amen. Let me ask you a question, and I'm done. Pastor D, if you would come and start playing. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, and I, I know, I know already the pushback I'm fixing to get on this. And this culture doesn't, that y'all are not going to have a clue what to do with what I'm about to say. But let me preface by saying sports have become the new religion. We prioritize the athlete and the sports and all of those things. But let me ask you, have you ever looked at a coach in the eyes and said, My son or my daughter may be your star player, but if you want them to play on Sunday, you're out of luck. You are out of luck. I don't care how good they are. Have you ever looked at your coach and said, we go to church on Wednesday night. We prioritize church. Why? Because we got to grow. And I'm telling you, Please hear me. I'm not giving you preacher lingo. I'm giving you truth. And if you don't know me, you can see it. You should be able to see the sincerity in me. 
But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And that's not a cliche. Jesus is really coming. And it's really, really soon. And if you'll come tonight, I'll tell you how soon. It's coming. Jesus is coming quickly. And we have to be ready. I think, what is it? Holy Spirit, help my memory. Was it Matthew 24-something? 24, I believe, says, He's coming in a moment that you're not ready. It's going to happen just like that. Tonight, I'm going to describe what that's going to be like. Jesus Christ is coming soon. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room. And I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and if we could turn the house lights down, that would be great. And why are we doing this? Well, we're turning the lights out just to give you that opportunity, just you and the Lord, not be distracted by all the things happening in the room. I want to say to you on this point of rest, true rest comes through trusting God. Okay? What does that mean? Well, that sounds real Christianese and pretty in church. Oh, we trust God and we trust God will have true rest and all this stuff. I might have bumfuzzled those words up, but you get what I'm saying. If you really want to rest, it's not, and and vacations and all that's part of resting. I get all that. I, I get that. Hobbies. I went deer hunting this week several times. I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was rest for me. But I will also say, you have to have your priorities in order. And if you put the right things in, the right things happen. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, His kingdom, His righteousness, and all, everybody say all. All All these other things will be added to you, like rest. Like rest. God will help you and teach you how to rest. God has taught me how to rest. And there is no true rest... There is no true rest without Jesus. There's just not. There is nothing out here that offers rest like Jesus can give you. And if you want rest, he said, take my burden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. God wants to give you rest. Guys, today you just heard seven things every new believer needs to know. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in this room today. God, if there be just one under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, if there's one person in this room, or if there's a person in this room who once had a vibrant faith but have walked away from their faith, I pray that today would be the day they would return home. They would come home to your arms. God, today, if there is one in this room perhaps that needs to do what we're fixing to do when we jump into that water, if there's one today that needs to get in that water, that even though they weren't registered or signed up, that today they can get in that water. Those are the three invitations today. With heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody exit in the room. If you're here and you fit any of those invitations, I want you to ask you to do something very bold. But Jesus did something very bold for you. He hung on a cross naked and he died for you. Will you be bold enough to meet a pastor right here 
And I'm just going to hug your neck and pray with you. But if you're in this room and you want to accept Jesus or you're a prodigal that's walked away and you want to come home or you're here today and you had no plans of getting baptized, but today you feel like I need to be baptized, Pastor, then I want you to come up here and meet me right here. Would there be one? Would there be one? Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.